Three, two, one, boom. The Social Engineer Show. Today we got SN. How are you today? I'm okay, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad that you came. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Do you want to tell the people what you do? Yeah, so um, I'm a final year medical student. I'm graduating in a few months finally. <laughs> it's been yeah. a long one. Um, and yeah, hopefully by the end of it, I'll be a doctor. Basically. It's close, isn't it? Yeah, I've applied for jobs. Mm. Or I'm in the process of applying for jobs. You apply for areas first. Mm. Um, I think it's looking like I'm going to be in Wales. Okay. Um, yeah, exciting times. Normally, it's a five-year course anyway. Obviously, different courses can be six years. Um, for personal reasons, I took some time out as well. Mm. It's just added to the uh, longness of it all. Um but yeah, it's been fun. Honestly, it's mm. been a, it's been a good experience altogether. Yeah. yeah. Now that I'm at the end of it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would you say um, the most challenging part of it is just the amount of work, or was there other challenges that? Yeah. So it's um, like with medicine, it's not how deep you go into things. Like it's not it's not like biochemistry. Like in biochemistry. We had like one module of it. It's insane. Like I can't believe how some people study biochemistry for three years. Like you have to learn stuff in so much detail. Whereas with Anderson, it's more, there's so much of it. It's um, breadth rather than depth mm. is what they say quite a lot. Um, and you have to know what's relevant and you just get so much information thrown at you. And you, yeah, it's just trying to figure out and you kind of left your own devices quite a lot. So it's different from school. Um and yeah, you just got to figure it out. And by the end of it, you just got to hope that you pull through and pass all the exams, you know? Yeah. Was it something you always wanted to do? Um, Yeah-ish. Like, I knew I always wanted to help people. Mm. Funnily, enough, funnily enough, I never wanted to become a doctor because I was always a bit queasy with, like, things with blood and injections. I hated injections. Like, yeah. up until recently, I've still, I've still been a bit, like, iffy with injections. But, um. When when you say um, queasy with injections, do you mean getting them or getting yeah, them? like I hate I hate blood tests. I'm actually scared of injections. Like I remember we had to have a HPV jab in secondary school, and like I was the loser in the corner because <laughs> I started hyperventilating and stuff because oh, I was so scared. Um, but yeah, I kind of got over it, and it is it's a big part of medicine. Mm. Um, so. Um, before you actually decided you was going to be a doctor, you said you was trying to, you was just thinking of something you could do to help somebody. Yeah. What um, made you land on being a doctor? What made you think, okay, this is what I'm going to do? Um, I think one of the biggest things was, was for me was the job security, in all honesty. Mm. Like, I just wanted a steady job and I wanted to, especially like investing that much money and time going to uni, I wanted to yeah. come out and know that I was going to have a job because I know, I know a lot of people who have gone to uni and who have ended up in a job where that's not what they wanted, you know? Yeah, I know a lot of people like that as well. Yeah, so... So that's not really a, a, the case with doctors. As soon nah, as you finish, you're good to go sort of thing. Literally, like, mm. they... If getting into med school is hard, right? Staying in med school is kind of easy because they... um They need you to be an F1 doctor so that you can, especially in the UK, because obviously it's all NHS funded as well, mm. um, or rather your last year is, but they have these places available for um, students to become doctors. Like, it's literally all lined up for you. Mm. So um, it makes life a bit easier. Well, I think it's probably um, 
quite a high barrier of entry in it. Like you got to get loads of grades to even yeah. get onto the course in the beginning. Isn't it? Yeah, it's hard. Mm. It's hard getting in. Mm. Um, but yeah, not as hard as some other courses out there. Um, but for sure. Well, yeah, it sounds like a lot. You should be proud of yourself because that, like, I, sure, I, I don't haven't graduated. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you will, yeah, you, you will do. <laughs> you will do. So, um, would you say um, for anybody who's thinking about mm. becoming a doctor, maybe um, a young kid or something that's not chose what they're gonna do yet, mm. would you um, give? Is there any advice you'd give them? Um, I would just say definitely try and do some work experience, um, um, and. When it comes to writing your personal statement, um, like reflect upon those uh, those work experiences and think about how it will how it's led you to want to become a doctor. Because as I say, like you go into medicine with the end goal of working for the NHS as a doctor, mm. um, that's what they want would want to see you in your personal statement. Um, if you're just thinking about medicine as well, work experience is very valuable. So you can so that you can get an insight into it. But again, work experience as a um, like an under eighteen year old is is very difficult. So mm. um, if you can get it, it's great, basically. So um, and also don't don't worry about needles and stuff because <laughs> you get over it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so you said about. Um, Working for the NHS, is there some sort of clause where once you st um, finish studying, you have to work for the NHS for a certain period of time? Yeah, so um, so the final year, or from fi year five onwards, yeah. um, your, your course is funded by the NHS. So you have to do um, one year, um, I think it's you have to do one year working for the NHS, and that's your F1, okay. like, and that's when you graduate. Um, and then after that, you get your full medical license. So even though you're you're kind of technically a doctor when you graduate, you don't have your full medical license until you've, you've completed, completed your year. Yeah, yeah. Training in medicine never stops. <laughs> so after F2, depending on your specialty, you'll do like three to seven years of training after that. And with that comes exams and all the stuff. And obviously you have to pay for that again. Um, but... At, but you're expected to work, obviously. So it's not like school. You, you're not like going back to university or anything. You do your training at work, um, and you get assessments and stuff signed off at work, mm. um, and then you do your exams in your own time, basically. And then eventually, um, you move up the grades. So you do F one, F two, and then you become core trainees. Um, and then this is generally speaking. So you become a core trainee and then eventually you'll become a more um, senior trainee. At which point you'll be called a registrar. Mm. And then once you've completed all your specialty training, um, you can apply for a consultancy job. And a consultancy job is the, the sort of highest grade you can get. Um, that's when you're like a specialist in your field. But there's only a limited number of consultancy jobs out there. So you basically have to wait for someone to retire before you can apply for that job. So you can also become a GP and that's a slightly different route. Um, and I think this is the route that I'll probably go down. Um, so you do F1, F2 as you do, and then you do three years um, uh, GP training, which is still in hospitals and your different rotations and all this sort of stuff. Um, but then you become a GP and you don't have to wait for someone to retire, basically. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah. So when you um, graduate and you're done with your F1 and F2, mm. will you do your um, full-time job in Cardiff? Um, 
I'm not sure. So my full-time job, right? Um, on sort of my my end goal is to open up a clinic and okay. like my own GP surgery, um, make it big into like a, a whole primary care center and offer those different services. And I'll just open that up wherever um, I feel like the need is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to restrict myself to Cardiff. Mm. Um, but I do like it. <laughs> it's a good place to live. So is there anywhere else that you've, done um like medical training or like where where is the other places yeah so in um again with Cardiff University um in your fourth year or um in your third year you get sent up to North Wales for a placement block and then in fourth year you get sent anywhere within the country um so I've been to North Wales Wrexham um and then I've been to I just finished a placement block in Haverford West which is West Wales Pembrokeshire area again a very nice area um, these places are a lot smaller than Cardiff. Cardiff is, uh, yeah, it's, it's Wales is capital city and it's the largest city mm. um, in Wales. Um, Wrexham wasn't bad. It was, it had a, it, it had a cute little town and it had enough going on. I think there was like one nightclub there. Um, I didn't ever go. Apparently, it's not worth it. Um, Haverford West was very rural. Um, like <laughs> you know, it's rural when one when someone from Wrexham tells you that. Haverford West is raw. And they're just like, oh, I don't know how you're going to survive. I'm like, bro, I don't know how I'm surviving Wrexham. <laughs> like, thanks. Mm. Um, yeah. You find, you, you get you get to appreciate the natural beauty. So in Haverford West, in Pembrokeshire, there's a lot of beaches. So we went on a lot of beach trips during the weekend and stuff. So it's not all about, I guess, um, town life and city life and all mm. that. Have you worked in London? Done any placements or? Oh, yeah. So before I started med school, I did a few placements. So I did a week in UCLH um, with a neurosurgical team. Um, That was really interesting. Um, Although I remember getting told off during surgery because I accidentally brushed one of the the sterile equipment or something of a table. I can't remember what I did. I just remember being yelled at and I felt like poop. <laughs> um, and then I did a week in the um, the neuroscience research uh, department. Um, so I've done a bit of work here. As a medical student and when you're on work experience, you right. don't actually get to do too much. So it's not... It's a different type of hard work, you know, like nursing students, when they get sent on placement, they literally do the job as an as a nursing staff, mm. like from day one. And what do you do other than um, like the medical stuff and all your studies? Is there like a hobby that you have or something that you're into other than um, like your work life? Yeah, so um, <laughs> I don't know if it's with every med school, but um, Cardiff Uni stressed that. A lot like you know develop holly hobbies and all that sort of stuff i've always been um into martial arts and with universities um they have loads of society so i joined the and um, and sports club so i joined the kickboxing club mm. um and that was good it was good stress relief um yeah i really enjoyed it and then covid came and then um, I that's interesting yeah. so um your profession is being a doctor healing people up <laughs> and then you like to kick people's ass um on your time <laughs> off <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> now nah, it's, it's it's always quite funny because whenever we're sparring, I, I hate I hate 
I hate starting it, so I have to wait until I get it first. <laughs> and then it begins, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um but yeah, it's it's you get into a zone, you know, with everything. You just get into a zone and mm. and you just turn off for a moment and it's 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 a relief. Mm. So how long have you been doing kickboxing? Um since first year of um med school, so uh five four years probably. So you must be quite good at it then. I don't know, man. My help, my COVID really messed me up. <laughs> like I struggled to go off a flight of stairs. I don't struggle. Let's not let's not get that twisted. But um, what was it all like suspended during? The yeah, pandemic? and not just that. So you have with societies and stuff. You have the um, opportunity to sort of run the club. So I was president of the kickboxing for um, a year, and that uh, like I swear ruined it for me because then I started turning my hobby into work yeah you know and then it was just like it was no longer a relief it was stressful mm. um on top of medicine so after a year of doing that i think i left i left kickboxing i just couldn't go back mm. um and then covid hit so i missed my opportunity to go back anyhow because yeah. i missed it so much you know like you need the stress relief mm. um and yeah physical exercise is just great for turning your brain off for a moment mm. you know um so as a doctor how do you feel about um all of the um restrictions and stuff do you feel like it's for the best for society as a whole i think it's to begin with it's understandable why we went in that direction right because we didn't quite understand what was going on with this um mm. virus and obviously people were concerned about their family friends and um just the population's health so I understand why we went in that direction. It then got to a point where the virus was essentially um, basically a cold um, and it got a bit too excessive, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, obviously it's quite a controversial uh, topic. Yeah, they've released all the restrictions now, so it seems like we're getting back somewhat to yeah. normality. It just did it, yeah. It just it just took a while to get there, you know. Mm. And but maybe it's as you said, where it was just the uncertainty. No one really knew what was going mm. on, so they needed that time to get things in order or whatever mm -hmm. to kind of work out what we was dealing with, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then now that everyone kind of knows what it is, we just kind of just get like getting back to normal. Yeah. Yeah, it took a while to get there. <laughs> yeah, even at um, where I work, they're saying mm. even if you have it now. Um, you can come into work. Like oh, really? Yeah, they're saying there's no, you, you're not allowed to isolate, like, or you're not expected to isolate yeah, if, yeah. You've, if you get it or anything. So it seems like we're just getting back to normal. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah, I, I really lost track with all the different like regulations, and they kept changing it. And I, I think for a while, <laughs> none of us really knew what was going on. Mm. Um, so I think in that. Like when that was happening, we relied a lot on people to just use their initiative. Mm. Um, and I'm glad that finally the the uh, actual regulations are catching up with people's initiative, you know. How was um, studying throughout the period? Was it um, harder? Yeah, so I'm 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 a person who usually goes who has to go to the library to study, right, and change mm. their environment. It got to a point where all the libraries were closed. We couldn't leave a house unless we wanted to go for a walk and stuff. And I just got so sick of my four walls and it just wasn't, it was hard to study um, because of that. Um, and then obviously 
hobbies kind of uh, diminished. Mm. <laughs> so it was hard to adjust to begin with. Um, I'm now at the point where I just study at home, even mm. though libraries are open now. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm any, I don't think I'm as effective as I would be if I had just stayed going to the library, you know. But yeah, we can't blame everything on COVID. <laughs> you, know, you just kind of just got to deal with it, it, whatever the situation is. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, at least you're still doing well, though. You're still, like, you haven't allowed it to stop you from your end goal and you still mm. carried on going towards it. Yeah, I mean, like, medical students started being considered as, like, key workers. So then mm. it didn't really affect our placements and stuff. Mm. Um, and then I was living further away from campus. So having lots of online lectures wasn't was kind of beneficial to me, if anything. Mm. Um, although, let's not kid ourselves. You, it's hard to pay attention during an online lecture. I would say it's harder than... And in when you're there, because yeah. you're in the zone, isn't it? If yeah. You're there. Mm. yeah. Since you're a medical student, um, what do you think about um, the all of the other countries that are now legalising like cannabis as, mm. uh, as a medicinal substance? Mm. What do you think about that? And do you think it will ever come over here? I think we're kind of headed into that direction. It doesn't make sense for us not to be headed into that direction, considering we have the largest cannabis farm, I think, in either in Europe or in the world. Um, it's in Norfolk, mm. a bit of an odd place, but there we go. It makes sense to have a whole massive ass farm there, doesn't it? Um, Is that like used for uh, medical? Yeah, it's for research. Oh, okay. Um, and they're using it to... Um, Sorry, it's medicinal cannabis, and yeah, they're trying to do research into it. Um, I don't understand why we're so behind places like in the US mm. and places like Canada, and I just, yeah, there's some sort of barrier there that's clearly um, more political than anything else. I've been noticing um, a lot of products like soaps and um, shower gels and stuff now has... Um, like um it has like some sort of properties in it from yeah all so the cbd isn't it yeah so it seems like mm. it is getting here like a little bit yeah but, um i don't know whether they're going to release it as much as it's been released everywhere else mm -hmm. yeah but maybe a, they will yeah you get there's been a um a massive surge in cbd products for sure you can mm. actually get um like weed that's solely cbd now from a shop oh yeah my friend was telling me about it. I haven't experienced this, uh, <laughs> this myself, but so we are, we've got some progression going on. Mm. Um, yeah, we'll see where we end up. Have you, um, have you seen any of the stuff like, that the other countries are saying as far as the, um, I think I saw something on the news about um, some kid that was having seizures or something and mm. then he just takes a little bit of oil mm -hmm. and then it just stops his seizures. Have you seen anything like that? Is there any validity to that or um so they're doing trials in the uk it's called project 21 um to for a range of disorders one of them being epilepsy yeah um i think one of them is a is depression anxiety and then some other sort of movement disorders and i think parkinson's is one of them as well if you have any of these conditions you can go to specialist clinics and they can give you um massively subsidized cbd no medicinal cannabis products i don't know if they're solely cbd um mm -hmm. 
but yeah, they can give you uh, medicinal cannabis products to, and they're trialing to see whether they are effective. Mm. Um, and it's, I think it's the largest, that is the largest research project in the world into medicinal cannabis. So again, we're hoping that it is going to go into a more positive direction rather than just like like demonizing a plant for whatever historical political reason mm. and hopefully seeing it in a more unbiased and uh, objective light. Is there any secrets that only doctors know about that the masses don't know? Um, as far as like, I don't know, things that are bad for you things that are good for you i think i think you would have more secrets in a more privatized healthcare system because doctors and pharmaceutical companies well doctors get their wages from pharmaceutical companies by prescribing certain medications in this system or in not in this system okay. this system is obviously it's nhs it's mm. a charity um we're funded by the tax people pay, pay right we're not really funded by obviously it helps i'm sure and I don't know what happens behind closed doors, but our, but we rely on people to pay their taxes in order for hospitals to stay uh, running and for doctors to be paid and nurses to be paid, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas in, um, in systems where they rely on insurances, um, like private insurances, um, there's a lot more influence from pharmaceutical companies and um, there's been an interesting sort of docu-series on like Disney Plus, Netflix called Dope Sick. And it's about how codeine um, and stronger opioids were, uh, were abused, basically. And doctors weren't open about the side effects of these drugs because they wanted to keep... Um, people on it basically i would recommend people watching that and it called so it's sick? called dope sick yeah okay. it just highlights the influence pharmaceutical companies have and the fact that turning and and the responsibility doctors have to not turn a blind eye to certain things and side effects and you know stories and case studies out there as well i would have thought that um in a privatized system mm. Uh, since the client is paying all the bills as opposed to the bills just being paid no matter what, mm. um, I would have thought that they would have more incentive to give the client what they want. Yeah, but the client is not the best equipped to always know what they want. Like, a doctor would have spent years studying this. They can't just listen to a client who may not be as educated as the doctor and who might just want this medication because but of... If the, but, I mean, if the client just wants to be better, like they, they, it's not that they're saying, oh, I want X tablet, whatever mm, it is, mm. they're, but they're saying, I feel sick, mm. make me better, mm. I'm paying you money, mm. then the, the doctor should just make them better, innit? But if there's no... if there's no, Because surely if they're not able to make them better, then that person can just take their business elsewhere to another... Yeah, f to another doctor who will then prescribe whatever that they subconsciously want. Like, if a doctor has told you, no, you need to stay at home and just let your body ride this through or whatever, and that's the advice. You don't then say, oh, no, the doctor ignored my... I mean, you know, you depends on the doctor's attitude, but the doctor should say that in a nice way, you know, and, um, and appreciate the concerns of a patient and recognise 
that it might be hard to hear this, but the best thing for you to do is to go home and let your body ride us through. If a patient's then not happy and then pays another doctor for another consultation, and that one is fed back to the original doctor, the doctor that the patient has then gone to has probably realizes that the patient is after some sort of medication or some sort of therapy, right? The doctor is then inclined to keep this patient for their money and to give the... Um, yeah, so yeah. are you saying that people, a patient shouldn't get a second opinion? They should take whatever the first doctor says and that's have it? Have a second opinion. There's nothing wrong with that. I just think when you throw money into the mix, especially right there and then, um, like we're all human. It's not supposed to, but it can bias people's judgments. So there's no um, financial incentive on in the NHS? Like there's no, you don't get bonuses for doing certain things? No, it used to be that you got with, for example, GPs. So sorry. So hospitals and GPs run differently mm. um, in that, in how they get their money. I feel like hospital, hospital staff don't really, we just get paid in it. Like you just get paid. That's all there is like to it. Like a salary. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And as a GP, um, you can have salaried um, GPs and they just get paid. But then you also have GP partners who kind of own the GP and then they think about the different ways that they can earn money for the GP. It used to be that you get pay, paid per prescription um, that you uh, obviously prescribe. Um, Isn't that cor- easily corruptible? Yeah, then? so they've changed that. So it's not it's not that anymore because obviously it does have an influence. You don't want to prescribe th- these med- uh, these patients excessive medications just so that you can get more money for it. Like we, um, there are a few different ways to um, earn money in it as a GP partner for your practice. Um, one being training other GPs. Secondly, offering different services um, like flu clinic, coil clinic. Um, so, if you offer, say, mm-hmm. a flu clinic, um, how do you make more money? Is it that the more people that come in, the more money you make? I'm not sure exactly is the honest answer. I know the way that flu clinics and things like that work is that you are given, sorry, you buy the products, so the injections, the vaccines, sorry, yeah, the vaccines, the um, yeah, the equipment out of your own budget, and then you get reimbursed for the vaccines that you've used. Um, so you can actually lose money. I think from the GP that I worked at, she said that we usually break even. Um, So that's not really a way to earn money. It's just another way to get money in and cover the losses that you've already experienced. But But surely buying it would be the loss that you're trying to cover. Yeah. So So why do it if... So you get a... So you get an... You get an incentive, basically, to provide this clinic, to provide the service. A financial incentive. Yeah. Yeah. So that's back back to the original point of... Mm. It's just, it's all, they're going to, there's going to be financial incentives in it to, um, regardless of what system it is. Mm, mm. Because um, if, for example, um, like a GP that doesn't have a flu clinic Mm. or whatever, Mm. a flu, um, what's it called? Flu clinic? Yeah. Yeah. Um, If they want, then they make X amount of money. But then if that place now gets a flu clinic, they make 5% more money. Mm. And then if they have like some other type of clinic as well, they make another five percent more, and mm. they just um they basically widen their scope of services yeah. that they're able to offer. They also need to make these 
Like they need to have people coming in to do these things, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? Surely there's incentive, financial incentive, whichever system it is. But ultimately, I think the person who provides the best service mm. will retain the customer, if even if it's a um, privatized system. Surely. I agree. I just think that if you have money thrown into a mix during a consultation itself, it can influence the outcome of the consultation. And I don't think, personally, that's best practice. I hear you. <laughs> it's hard, yeah, it's hard to say. To me, it just seems like everything's a business. You, you've got to, you've got to generate some it sort is, of. It is. It is. Like this is the world we live in. It, yeah. You know, like um, we live in a money world. That's that's all there is to it. But yeah, yeah. I think, especially when you're dealing with people's lives, you kind of want to remove money from that as far as possible. Mm. You know, and like with things like, I don't personally see how providing incentives to provide services is a bad thing because then you've got i don't think so either yeah because then you've got a gp practice right um a primary care center which is easily accessible by all these people in the neighborhood um with access to all these services and that then means that they don't have to travel all the way to a hospital to get a jab or to get and there should be um financial incentive to encourage the doctors to provide these services yeah exactly it shouldn't be doing it at a loss in it because mm-hmm. then it's, it's not um it doesn't make sense viable, to run it, it. Yeah. yeah exactly and i feel that the same thing applies to other systems as well mm. like um like for example um the privatized systems in say america or whatever Mm-mm-mm. it's like it would seem that if they were just like like messing people like screwing people over mm. just for money it mm. seems that they that wouldn't be a good business practice mm-hmm. it seems like they would have to do something in it that mm. they would have to render actual service mm-hmm. in order to continue to stay in business otherwise they'll just go out of business mm-hmm. if it was like everyone who goes there just gets some just gets given whatever they want and they never get actually helped mm-hmm. then they wouldn't stay in business people will go to the ones that actually do help them yeah, but then I think people get pleased by getting what they want. So, um, for example, I have a friend in Singapore who, sorry, who lived in Singapore, and he <laughs> would literally ask his doctor for some pills, um, and the doctor would just prescribe them because he had the back, he had a background of so- something that indicated his need for some sort of painkillers. But he went knowing what he wanted and then the doctor would just prescribe them for him, you know. And then if it, that doctor didn't, <coughs> if that doctor then didn't prescribe, he would just go to a different doctor. But if he knew what he needed because of some background of some whatever, mm. um, but he got to a what's point, the problem? Bec- the, po- the problem is, right, it's symptomatic relief. You're not actually solving the problem here. You know, you are, you're, you're treating the symptom... Or no, you're managing the symptom, but not actually treating the problem. And these and and, treat, and managing the symptom is not meant to be a long term solution, because these medications have problems themselves. You know, they have side effects themselves, um, and they can lead to things like addiction. So you're just forever on this drug that makes you drowsy, and you end up in a place where you don't particularly want to be in. Mm. Um, on another note. Um, you're a uni student, so you're about to 
enter into the world, you're going to be the next generation of workers or whatever. Mm. Um, what do you think about the condition of society right now? And like to think the changes that have happened over the recent few years. I don't know. There's um, a lot of political changes. There's people a lot are, going on right yeah. now. It's just... Um, <laughs> there's a lot going on right now. And I feel like a few, maybe a hundred years later or whatever, I mean... Obviously, there's a lot going on with Russia and Ukraine. We've just been through a pandemic, which was almost a war in itself. Like, um, I feel like maybe we're in a time where it doesn't really matter about the individual person anymore because there's just so much going on globally, um, which is kind of... I don't know. It's a thought that occurred to me um, today because... I, because when we think back at World War Two, right, and World War One, we don't really think about the individual people going through their uh, struggles and and thinking about their dreams and all this sort of stuff. Um, we think about things from a more global perspective, right? Like it's it's England, it's France, it's the Allies, it's it's whole countries rather than these individual people. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, um, maybe I'm having a bit of a bleak thought, but. Um, I do question what impact I'm actually going to have on the world, you know, considering how many big things are going on at the moment. Like, I'm just one person. Mm. Um, and that was always what I wanted, actually. Like, I wanted to help people, but I also wanted to, like, I'm sure everyone wants to leave their mark and make them like just improve the world, make it a better place to where, um, to what it was before you. Mm. Um, I'm I'm blessed in the career path that I've chosen, and that maybe hopefully I will be able to help people. Obviously, throughout pandemic, we worked. <laughs> if there is a war or anything, I will happily volunteer myself, and I'll actually be graduated by that point. So I'll happily go and work and help people. Um, but I think maybe we're we need to start, or maybe I personally need to start shifting from a more individualistic perspective to a more global perspective. Um, what does that mean? Like the shift in perspective. What what would that mean? Like in real terms. So it's quite this. This would be a political thought process, right? So. Um, no, we weren't that poor growing up, right? Mm. But we weren't rich. We weren't comfortable. Like, we were um, not in a financially stable position. So my goal in life, I guess, is to be more... To, is to reach that financially stable position. Mm. Um, but that requires a bit more of a capitalist thought mm. and, a, and a belief. Yeah. Um, but I find that capitalism is quite individualistic. And with the current things going on, it's more of a global issue. And I'm not sure if my little uh, plans um, to make myself. Why is capitalism a, an individualistic mindset? Because I find that, because you've got to have a business mindset, right? And although you've got to establish partners um, and, and, and people to work with, 
also people to work for, also a service to render for other people. That's what capitalism is, isn't it? It's like you are rewarded for what service you're able to render. Mm. But surely... But it's got to profit you. Yeah, so you can continue to do the business, so that you can continue to increase your ability to do more service. But all that, I feel like all that money doesn't then get reinvested into the business itself, into the service you provide for other people. It seems to me that capitalism is um, a system where if you are <clears throat> if you offer a good service those those efforts are rewarded it's like the person who's who does the most productive thing mm. makes the most in it they become more successful um if so let's say for argument's sake if there's two builders mm. one builder does a, a, a terrible job and every time he goes to do something he uh, makes things worse mm. he won't get any recommendations and he won't get called back to do any more work Let's say another builder, every time he comes, he does an excellent job. Like Everyone who sees his work is going to be like, oh, who done this? And they, so they're going to be like, oh, yeah, this guy done it. And mm. he'll be recommended to other people. And the person who got the work done originally will call him back if he has any more builder work to be done. Mm. So he will, he will um, just become more successful because he's rendering a better service. Mm. That's capitalism. Mm. Any other system, yeah, that's... Like, not like that. It's just basically like everyone gets paid. Like whether you do a good job, you do a bad job. So it seems to me that that's more individualistic. That basically is a system where someone wants to get money regardless of what they do. Mm. Like if they good, render a good service or a bad service, they still want to get what's, what they're entitled to, the same as everyone else. So it seems like, I don't know, it just seems like that's more like an individual thinking about themselves as opposed to, you have to render a good service for someone else to be successful. Surely capitalism is the most, um, I think it's the most, what's the word? Um, I don't know, it's the most, it's almost like a humanitarian thing, isn't it? It's like you're you're doing stuff. You're providing for other yeah. people, really, aren't you? Yeah, so that, if anything, that's to, to me, that's the best system. And you're, like, if you, when you buy something, what you're doing is you're saying that this money that I'm spending on this thing is like worth giving to this person for them to do the thing. So you're saying the thing that they're going to do for you mm. is worth more than the money mm -hmm. because you're prepared to exchange the money for that service, isn't it? So all you're, you're, not, you're not getting ripped off because you're giving someone money and they're now becoming successful. Mm. If anything, they're giving you something worth more than the money and you're paying them with money, which is just a bit of paper, to, to make them do the thing you want them to do, mm, which is putting mm. bare work on whatever it is, to come fix your house, whatever it is, mm. to do whatever labour it is. It's like um, you're going to be a doctor. Mm. You're, um, you're working really hard trying to help people. That should be rewarded. It shouldn't be a thing where whether you work hard or you don't work hard, you, you just get paid anyway. Mm. Because um, then you're going to be given like subpar services. Aren't you? You're going to be... Not, you're not going to care to do anything good because either way you're still getting money. It's like you'd want to be in a system where, like, okay, let me bring it to me. Like, I'm an engineer, yeah? Mm -hmm. if, if I do a good job and everyone's happy with it and I get more money, that makes me want to do a good job again, doesn't it? Mm. But if, if I do a great job and I get paid X amount mm. and then I do a terrible job and I still get paid X amount, why am I putting in all that extra effort? Mm. It's like, it's the incentive is for me to put in extra effort to get more money in it. 
So it seems to me that capitalism is the best system that there is. I don't, I, I'm not aware of any other system that's better than that. I think my issue is, um, from a more global perspective, is the fact that obviously we have these massive companies that have done the capitalist thing very well and are now very, very rich. Um, and rather than them focusing on getting richer, I feel like they need to redirect their money to hopefully get us to a more stable, to make a more stable world. Like, I think that's. But don't you think the fact that they've been able to become so successful mm. implies that they've done such a good service? They've literally done such good work that they were able to become so successful. The thing is, right, not everyone is like that. Yes. Can you give me an example of someone that's so not like people that? people are going to profit off of this war or this p potential war that's happening in um, Russia and Ukraine, right? People are. Like, if you look at the stocks and people who... Sorry, if you look at the stocks, oil has gone up, gold will have gone up, like certain things will have gone up. And people who have been watching this will have essentially been hoping for some sort of like conflict between between Ukraine and Russia and essentially hoping for people to be injured. Like, I think we need to take it back to like the reality of a situation almost. Like these big companies don't care. They just want to make more money. Well, I don't think people are hoping that people get injured. It's like you're. But that's you're, what like, you're betting so, on. That's uh, what. That's what. Okay. Well, let's bring it to you. You're a doctor. Mm -hmm. You're not becoming a doctor hoping that mm. people get injured so that you can do your job. Mm. But, but you want to do your job, innit? You want to help people that have been injured. Mm. But you're not there thinking. I hope loads of people always get injured so I always have a job. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the implication that you're how you're somehow a bad person because you're making a living off of suffering off of somebody who's like suffered mm -hmm. it's like you're not the person who's made them suffer you're not like like going and doing bad mm -hmm. things to people so that they end up in your hospital mm -hmm. people are ending up in your hospital and you're helping them mm -hmm. so yeah i think there's just like this this crazy narrative about yeah which basically it hates success it hates people that have become productive it hates people who have like done well for themselves so i was talking to someone the other day and they were saying that um Jeff Bezos is like, he's become super wealthy and he should be doing more with all of that wealth. Mm. And it's like, he's done so much. That's how he's become so wealthy. It's like literally anything you want, you can just order it and get it to your house right now. Mm. That's like, that's innovation. That's like, that's so much, that, that's like brought society to a different level. Like that's yeah. like, we're, we're so much more connected. You can have some product that you make and sell on Amazon and now you can send it all over the world. They're just gonna do all the like the, the hard heavy lifting of it all, and that's a the amount of people that have become successful off of this business. He's literally made untold amounts of millionaires, untold amounts of um. He's he's supporting so many families. He's done so much, and he's paying taxes. Anyone who's successful, anyone who's um who's accumulated that amount of money, they're paying taxes in everything they do. Everything comes at like with value added tax. Like it's it just is what it is. In order to be successful, you have to render a service. And the more people you're able to render a service to, the more people, the more money you'll have, isn't it? Mm, mm. So, yeah, I feel like you should be rewarded for your efforts. If you if you work really hard and um, you, um, you're able to provide, you see a need in, in society and you're able to fill that need, 
then you're a good person. You're doing a good thing. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, um, in in a capitalist society, the only way to make money is to render a service. Whatever that service is, mm. it's like you're supplying a demand. Mm. And um, there should be a reward for supplying the demand. Otherwise, you have no incentive to supply that demand. Mm. So if, for example, everyone got paid the same amount no matter what, like someone who doesn't work at all gets paid the same amount that a doctor who works really hard, who um, does 14-hour days, um, that why would the doctor do it? Like the, the doctor's literally working 14 hours a day, helping mm. people, going through pure emotional turmoil, yeah, so much stress, so much strain, like dealing with people dying at, at the worst moments. They're doing It's such a hard job, and they're, they're doing that every single day, probably seven days a week, probably nine days a week, like at the amount of time they're working, yeah, <laughs> and it's like... They need to be. There needs to be an incentive for that. They need to be able to have an, like a nice home, at least a nice car, at least. They need to be able to have enough money to look after their family. Like if they're not able to make any money and they're struggling to even eat food and stuff, why would they do that? Why would they not just stay at home and not work? Because they would get paid the same amount anyway. Mm. So, I think you have to reward people for doing things you want them to do. If you want people to work really hard, you should give them money and you should give them a way to be rewarded for that. And I think it's really like the person paying the money is doing less than the person who's doing the work. It's like to pay money is nothing to to do the work is the effort. That's why you're trading the money for it, because you understand that that work that work is worth more than this money. So you give them the money to keep so that they keep on doing it. And that's what capitalism is. I feel like. There's such a strong narrative out here, yeah, basically trying to imply that anyone who's become successful is somehow evil. They're just taking advantage of people. That that's what that's my thoughts on it. Um I agree, to be honest, because if we look at um hospital medicine versus like primary care, um hospital medicine, the doctors are all salaried, like you just get paid your wage, it is what it is, and it like doesn't obviously there are <laughs> It does matter about the care that you give your patients regardless. But with regards but when it comes to like primary care practice, because it is relying on your relationship with um your patients, because they need to keep coming back and you have the um so we were talking about the ways that um GPs make money, they provide services and all that. The other ways you you can make money as a GP is a GP partner is the number of patients you have. So the more um the better you treat your patients, um, the more patients you're going to have, the more patients you're going to keep, so the more money you are going to have um, and make. Um, and <laughs> I guess that is one of the reasons why I want to work in primary care versus um, hospital medicine. In hospital medicine, it's easy just to feel like, I don't know, another clog in this massive system and to just be desensitized and not care. And it's just, it's not one after. At least in primary care, you get to know your patients, you care about your patients and you have to because you're then rewarded by it, you know, and mm. for it, sorry. Um, so yeah, I, I do I do agree with you. It's just, I suppose there's just so much going on recently. Um, it's just, <laughs> it just feels like a hundred years from now, like what are they really going to say? There was It was an eventful... Uh, few years for sure this has been an eventful start of a decade mm. um i'm interested to see where it turns out like heads towards hopefully we're not about to like the world's not about to end and like it's all for nothing you know 
yeah, that's that's my thinking anyway. Yeah, I I don't think the world's gonna end. I think um, there's been many scares, hasn't there? And we've survived them all. So yeah, and road. I think most most people like want like right good things in it. I don't I don't think people are just inherently evil in it. I think mm. most people will work for a better future, mm. and um, I feel like I don't know. I don't I don't know why, but there's a lot of like um, negativity about people feel like the world's coming to an end or they feel like everything's all mad. But I think that's a lot to do with the kind of media influence and a lot of people, mm. uh, there's a lot of like people trying to push that narrative. It's like people mm. profit off of getting people scared in it. Honestly, I hate watching the news. Watching mm. the news is just like feeding yourself like negativity. It is horrible. Like there's just so much crap going on in the world, like constantly. Mm. Um, and obviously it is biased. Every piece of, um, every piece of literature you absorb basically is going to be biased. Unfortunately, I used to, well, I used to think that scientific literature, right, was unbiased and completely uh, objective. But it's clearly not because they filter what they publish, you know? So <laughs> you have to find out your own truth in this world. Um, and that's a, that's, a, that's a big task. Mm. Yeah, that's a big task. Yeah. Do you feel like um, there's a um, a push for you to fill some sort of a push for a certain narrative in universities? Oh my! God. <laughs> um, in medicine, I would say yes. Obviously, um, I, I don't necessarily disagree with a narrative, but we are um, trained to behave a certain way. We have communication classes and. And, and literally role-playing classes so that we become this certain person. Mm. Um, we have to, we learn this so, sort of medical language, which obviously has its uses, but it's all to just fit this persona of what people think a doctor should be, you know? Um, and it's, <laughs> it's all silly, basically. It's all, like, we had an exam as well, mm. um, get in trouble but there's this um exam that i swear to god is literally just a brainwashing exam like it's an ethics exam there's no reason why oh it like how how do you mark ethics you know how do you objectively mark ethics it's always going to be a mixed answer and it's always going to need a board or a committee of people to come to a conclusion you know and yet they expect us to answer these questions based on their values. And we have to learn these values so that we can pass this exam so that we can become a doctor. Mm. You know, it's a brainwashing exam and it is a brainwashing course. Um, again, not to say that the person you become by the end of it is a bad person. I mean, I've learned a lot of communication skills, which um, are quite effective in my personal life. Um but yeah, you do have to be a com you have to be, be a certain person, be like you are groomed to be a certain way. Mm. For sure. Do you feel like um if you have an opposite or opposing beliefs, um that you will be um that is frowned upon or you'll be you you won't be able to pass the, the course? Um I'm not too sure about passing the course. It will have an impact on your ranking because in medicine, you're ranked across um, everyone in your 
year and then when it comes to applying for jobs you're ranked across everyone applying for a job in that year um it will affect your ranking and the prospects available to you um it shouldn't necessarily impact on your abilities to pass because at the end of the day like a heart is a heart like the way it works all that it's, mm. it's science it's science mm. exams and all that sort of stuff so it's predominantly to do with actual knowledge as opposed to yeah. politics or anything like yeah, that. But yeah, but say you then want to publish a piece of research and your and the country we're in um, has policies that are outdated um, and that would prevent you from pr- publishing that research. It would get in the way of your research, basically, and mm. it can get and it could lead to you losing your position. For example, if you have are on a a prestigious board. Mm. of some sort you know okay mm. how do you feel about say uh gender roles or mm. is that is that a thing of the past or is that something that still has value or what do you think about that i think that's a very interesting question um in i guess the workplace it shouldn't really have a role um sexism very much still exists at in the workplace and it shouldn't have you experienced anything like that through your studies me personally, um, no. I'm quite a quiet person anyway, so I'm quite reserved, especially when it comes to placement. Um, I've seen female surgeons been un- um, be undermined um, and ignored by other surgeons. I've seen um, junior doctors be addressed as the surgeon, for example, or as a consultant or as a doctor simply because they are male and then the female in the situation be addressed as a nurse. Um, I guess, yeah, in, a, in um, like, <laughs> I've, I've uh, me, myself, this might just be ignorance, but I've had to confirm that, yes, I am indeed going to be a doctor and not a nurse, even though, yes, I am studying medicine. Um, Don't nurses have to study medicine as well? No, nurses study nursing. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's all like in the grand scheme of things like we move in it <laughs> like it's not going to hold me back um, it's not going to hold any other female surgeons back it's just annoying mm. um, is the biggest thing um, when it comes to gender roles in families I think that's when things get a bit more complicated I would say especially when you have um uh the professional side of things like the worker role um and you have both people working and say the female has a more prestigious job than the male and suddenly there seems to be a lot of more emphasis on her working and being the breadwinner and all that sort of stuff and yet she also has to become pregnant and provide the kids when you say there's more emphasis on her being the breadwinner what do you mean do you mean that societally or not so more, I would, I, I can't comment on societally. Um, I would say more in the practicalities of a relationship and being able to, because obviously if a male hasn't got um, as well paying a job, it would make sense for the female to go back to work and reduce her maternity leave and do all this sort of stuff, despite the fact that she has just had a baby, she has just put her body through a lot of stuff. Um, yeah I don't know we live in a complicated time obviously we all want um, equity Um, we all want fairness I think roles help 
provide some sort of structure um, in relationships because relationships can be complicated enough mm. um, and it's nice to have some sort of idea <laughs> of what you're supposed to do. Um, but then I think at the end of the day, it's for each couple to decide what their role is in the relationship, you know. So do you feel as well, um, if, because obviously you're going to be quite a high paid um, mm. individual. Hopefully. And <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure you will be. <laughs> so um, do you feel as though your partner um, could take the um, the secondary kind of role where it's like they don't need to work and they could look after the, I don't know if even I even know if secondary is really um, a good word, but more like the home the mm. home role. Mm. Would they be all right to do that? Would you, would you be okay with that? I mean, I personally would be okay with that. Mm. Um, I'm I love going out and working, um, and I don't like cleaning. <laughs> mm. um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I personally would be okay with that. It's just whether they would be okay with that, and I mm. think. Um, that's quite a new concept for a lot of men to be the one who stays at home and then d- helps out with things like housework and all that. I think there's just different types of men, isn't it? So exactly. some some men will feel comfortable in that situation. Mm-hmm. Some won't. Mm-hmm. Surely if you would like a guy like that, you would pick from the guys that would feel comfortable in that situation. You wouldn't want to force somebody to be something they're not, innit? Yeah, exactly. Um, I've clearly, <laughs> I think I've had quite a limited, uh, um, exposure to those types of men. Most of the men I've, uh, I've met are quite against the idea, mm. but I know that, you know, I know that they exist. Um, I think typically yeah. those kinds of men, um, would have kind of always been like that. Like mm. they're not the, not really the type to want to um pursue any type of career they're more mm. homebody sort of people like introverted mm. um yeah they um and um so it's probably harder to meet those guys probably when you're in the workforce and when you're out and about you're probably meeting guys that are also in the workforce and out and about yeah so that's where the problem lies oh that's where that's where i guess my problem lies mm. in that i'm obviously out and about a lot i'm gonna meet other people who are out and about a lot mm. um and they're probably going to have the same expectations of their future life as me in mm. that we're not going to stay at home, you know, we're not going to. And then, but then you have the issue of biology and anatomy where I don't necessarily want kids, but if my partner would want kids and obviously if I'm then I'm, I'm um, in a position where I want to leave a legacy, um, I could obviously adopt, um, but some people, if my partner was, 100% against that then I would I obviously have a uterus I have to bear the child <laughs> you could get a surrogate it's true mm. it's true it's just whether they'd be okay with that I think a lot of people not a lot of people some people have a traditional view of things and I think it's easier to think about the options as the woman because you know we're the one who has to go through all the pain and the nine months of suffering <laughs> yeah if there's any pregnant people out there good luck <laughs> some people like want to in it so same like how there's different types of men there's also different types of women in it some true. some women they want to have children and that's it's true they, they wanted ever wanted was to have a family and have their own children and stuff yeah. like that so 
it's just um, different types of people. I have a friend who's thrilled that she's pregnant and mm. she's going through a progr- uh, process and yeah, she's loving every moment of it, to be mm. honest. I don't see how she could, <laughs> but again, different types of people. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm really like seeing it. I think I'm very, I'm not emotionally involved in it, you know? Mm. So for me, it's different. Um, whereas obviously for her, it's her own child, it's her own baby, it's mm. her own legacy, you know? Mm. So maybe if I were to get pregnant, then it would be different because w- then I would be emotionally involved. Maybe. If, for example, you didn't find um, somebody who was willing to be at home with the kids, mm. but they were quite successful and they were able to provide for you if you did stay at home with the kids, would you be willing to do that or is that an, not an option? I think for me that would kind of suck, but yeah. um, I would, one, I would definitely go back to work um at least part-time and i'd also manage my other businesses that i would mm. hopefully have going on you know because there are people who um are making a good living but they just don't go to work for bare hours exactly and, and if one thing covid has tr- uh, has uh, shown us is that you it's very possible to work from home you know mm. um and very convenient too especially if you've got kids you know um so yeah, I don't yeah, I we cross that bridge when we get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think it's the end of the world. Yeah. Um I just don't want to solely be a mother. Mm. Yeah. I don't think m- mothers are solely mothers. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's um there's more to it. <laughs> they um they are more like a um I don't know, they're like like a home base like a uh, um they kind of like a lot of them steer their husbands or whatever, mm. and maybe in 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 the opposite, uh, maybe if you had somebody who would be at home with the kids, that person would probably steer you in the direction. Like they would want mm. you to, they would encourage you to progress in your career. The same like um yeah, so guys that have a wife who is at home looking after the kids for one, they're making the home a home. Mm. They're and they're also giving them inspiration and um it, like encouraging them to do things um i'm sure they don't make decisions without consulting their wife mm. and um a lot of probably probably more than 50 percent of the decision is their wife's decision really it's like that as far as going for different job roles or whatever or um starting new endeavors starting up a new at that point it's a whole team you know of it's course a whole and unit and yeah of course so that's my point it's mm. not like these people are not just solely mothers mm. some people are just mums but ultimately you do there's more to it than just what's on the surface in it there's mm. like you are just you are a team and um sometimes a team is more efficient when everyone's on the same page like everyone's aiming for the same thing as opposed to two separate teams mm. within one team like both people are doing different things mm. so um yeah but who knows what the future holds in it exactly um i've got a couple questions here for you um I wanted to ask your opinion on them. As um the your I would say would you say that you're Generation X or what generation would you say you are? I think we're millennials, right? Millennials. I don't know what that is. I don't know, you're younger than me, so I don't know I think I would maybe be You're an older version of a millennial and I'm yeah. a I'm in there. So <laughs> would you say I'm on 
the high end of a millenn- like the beginning millennial and you're like the last millennial. Is that what you say? Or would you say you're the next generation after that? So how does it go? It goes millennials and then it goes, th- there's Gen Z. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's what. All I know is that there's a, there's a decent age gap between us. There's like, mm. so it, a lot has changed in that time. Mm, mm, mm. So I think people of your generation are a lot different to people of my generation. Yeah, I do agree. But I think we're still part of the same generation. Maybe. Because I look, <laughs> do you know what it is? I look at people <laughs> born um, with Gen Z and Gen X and they're just like so <laughs> different, you know? <laughs> so um, I would say I have more similarities to you and your generation than people born after the 2000s. Okay. Because it is, like, it's interesting. There is a difference in ideas that tend to be more uh, prevalent upon, um, in certain generations. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think that it's more free-minded um, and open-minded. With your age group. Um. With a, more younger people, I guess okay. starting with my age group, mm. yeah, for sure. Um, now I know there's not. I'm I'm 24. I'm ten, I'm gonna turn 25 soon. Mm. Um, and I know there's not much age difference, but I look between I, me compared to a 22 year old. Yeah. Um, I tend I they tend to be a bit more open minded. Yeah. I think generally speaking. I think, so. speak, I think that's where it's going, and it? it's getting more and more open minded as the time's yeah. going on. I'm questioning certain rules and norms that mm. I don't know, I guess that we haven't questioned for some time, you mm. know, or ever before. Um, yeah. So, yeah, um, since you are um, a bit younger, what, I wanted to ask your opinion on a few different things. Okay. What do, what do you think about online dating? That seems to be much more prevalent now than it was when I was younger. Yeah. Um, I think online dating... Um, is meant to be a quick so there's different there's different aims um towards online dating right like i have friends who use it for different purposes um things like tinder tend to be from what i understand a bit more short term Mm. um i try to use tinder as more of a sort of as a way to find more longer term uh people okay um I realize that that's probably not the right app to use. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it is. A lot of people have met somebody and settled down. Yeah, well, that, from those, those are the six. Exactly. Those are the sort of success stories that <laughs> made me use Tinder. Because mm. um, I have a friend who also has a friend um, and she met her husband now through Tinder and they've stayed together and they're doing great, you know. Mm. So um, obviously everyone's an individual um it's a bit of a blanket statement to say that everyone who uses Tinder is just out there for sex or for a short-term thing, a hookup situation. Mm. Um, but I think t- Tinder tends to be more <laughs> short-term. Things like Bumble and um, I think Hinge is the new one. Um, that's a bit more longer-term. Okay. Um, I have a friend who uh, does use these apps. Um, a girlfriend or a guy friend? A girl. Um, okay. Yeah, she's... Um, she, 
she tries to use it. I think, I think, I think online dating is a way to try and meet people. But for me, it doesn't work. For my friends, it hasn't really worked. I feel like you need to have some sort of foundation there prior. Mm. Um, especially for me personally, when we're talking about longer term partners, um, I need to know the person beforehand. I need to have some sort of friendship level. Mm. Um, I need to be able to understand them, and that takes years, you know. And you can't uh, do it online. No, like people, people from online dating i have found either want to jump to that end goal a bit too quickly and it just doesn't work mm. um or you're just too, on two separate pages mm. um like you I, I don't know i feel like you can't force yourself to be friends and to be um more than that just because that's what you want you know yeah um like the person is still you know, the time is important for mm. me. You've got to um, build up the rapport. That yeah. way you can trust somebody and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, and I find that people on online dating aren't particularly interested in investing that time. And I'm, when I say time, I'm talking about years, you know. Um, yeah, I need I need those good few years beforehand <laughs> before I like, properly make a decision about someone. Mm. Um, so, yeah, for me, online dating isn't the one. Yeah. But I know... There are success stories out there. Um, but there are also a lot of like not so great stories, like mm. horror stories. Yeah. Like um there was that Tinder Swindler thing. Yeah. That happened not too long ago. Yeah. Or it released on Netflix not too long ago. Yeah. You, yeah. you heard about that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um and and quite frankly, like the Tinder Swindler isn't the worst case out there. Mm. Um, but like no one wants to be scandaled or cheated from like of their money you know yeah um so that's an unfortunate circumstance um my friend told me a horror story when i was on tinder oh yeah <laughs> she's like do be careful because um she um she had a friend who used to who used to know she went out on a date with someone and then they came home together and she went in one of his um like cupboards or something and there was like um like butcher's equipment there were like knives and stuff <laughs> and um and i think she found like she found like a body bag of some sort it was empty there wasn't a body bag in it but it just looked like super she, suspect yeah super mm. suspect you know mm. and i don't know i'd like to imagine it what did she do just run get out yeah of she got out of mm. there man she like called a friend and was like and she told him that there was some sort of emergency she had to go home and she just left and mm. i think he tried to contact her but she just like i don't think she called the police or anything but she just like cut all contact I couldn't imagine being in that situation. I think I, I would have had a freak yeah. out. Just meeting up with a stranger in it. It could be yeah, anyone. Yeah, man. You don't know who this person is, you mm. know? Like, I think I think there are certain um, rules you have to follow when it comes to, like, online dating and whatnot. That is, don't meet them in a secluded place. Yeah. You know, meet them in a public place. I personally never go home with someone if I don't really know them mm. because i don't want to be butchered in my sleep you know basically course, yeah. i don't know who this person is i really don't i'm really i get maybe i'm just highly suspicious but i hate being walked home by a guy as well especially on the first day like maybe it's being grown up in edmonton or what mm. but like i remember in cardiff there was this one time i met up with this guy um and he was like there wasn't he wasn't an axe murderer he was he was, he was completely but he was like super pushy and it was just like 
And he was trying to be super romantic and all this sort of stuff. But I was just like, bro, I don't know you. Like, you're not walking me home. Mm. Just allow it, innit? Yeah, so. That was creepy, that creepy guy. Yeah, because he insisted. And that's what, that's, for me, that was the red flag for him. Like, he insisted on walking me home, which was fine. Even though I was like, no, I'll walk you home. It's fine. Like, you live closer. I live a bit further away. I'll walk myself home. I don't know you. I literally told him, you could be an axe murderer. I don't know. I'm not I'm not taking you home with me. Mm. And um he just wasn't having it. Um so he walked me to I tried to drop him off at a random road. As mm. in like I was like, Oh yeah, I live on this road, don't worry, like, you know, it's fine. And I was like, Is this actually your road though? And I'm a bad liar, like I cannot lie. Um I was like, No, it's not actually my road. Um and I was like, oh, where's your road? And I was like, I'm just going to have to, what am I going to do? Like, of course, I'm going to, I don't know, I had to go home, innit? Um, yeah, he sounds super creepy. Yeah. It's like, it's like I don't know why he's like pushing to know where you Honestly. live. Like, you should read the room, innit? If it's not that type of time, you Honestly, should just leave it oh, up. But it's just so fresh. I don't know if this is because like, um, obviously, like I didn't, as as a woman, woman as a female, maybe he thought I didn't want to be seen as like too eager or whatever, or whatever he thought, or maybe he just like disregarded my wishes, point mm. blank. I don't know what was going through his head, but he didn't respect my wishes of not being walked home. Mm. Um, and like you said, it was really it was just unnecessary, quite frankly. And I, yeah, I didn't talk to him after that. And that was on what what was I using? I met him on Bumble, mm. um, and Bumble Bumble's meant to be sort of like that's that's an app that women have to start a conversation. Mm. So I I get the impression that it's meant to be a bit more you know forward thinking kind of, um, but after that experience, I didn't use Bumble. Um, I didn't really like any of the other dating apps either. Mm. I met a guy off Tinder. He was. He made out that he was fine with just being friends um, and taking it slow and all this sort of stuff. But um, I think we had different expectations of what that would mean. Mm. Um, so, yeah, after a few experiences, um, I don't, yeah, I stopped using dating apps. I think it's good to kind of browse and see what's available out there if you're <laughs> trying to get over someone, maybe. Mm. It's like, oh, actually, um, it's a bit of an ego boost, maybe. Like, you have all these, especially on Tinder, because, like, loads of guys start the conversation first. Mm. Um, but... It's like Auto Trader. You're just having a look <laughs> at what cars are available. Literally. <laughs> literally. And, um, and then you realise that there's actually some, like, fairly attractive guys who are interested in you, and it kind of is, like, an ego boost and stuff. But it's not, uh, I don't think it's anything to invest too much time in, basically. Yeah, so you you would prefer the old-fashioned, you just yeah. meet someone in real life, <laughs> yeah. you get to know them. Someone I've known, yeah. I mean, ideally, it'd be someone um, either I'd know already or um, I'm getting to know or whatever. Mm. Like, I've seen them in their natural environment. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you get more of a holistic view rather than, what they try to present to you, you mm. know, and what they try to sell to you. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's it's not really the one. It's like, it's just kind of like some online persona sort of thing. Yeah. And you don't really know this person and you hope that you don't meet someone who's crazy. 
Exactly. That's what you hope, isn't it? Yeah. Right? There's no guarantee. Mm. I mean, there's no guarantee that the people you're working with or like your long-term friends aren't hiding something weird. <laughs> yeah, but you got more chance of uh, like kind of working out who they are. Exactly. Like you can kind of vet them over a period of time. Exactly. And then, you, yeah, so I think, yeah, I think it is, it is a bit dangerous for girls and it is... And it's not even really great for guys either. It's like no. you're just meeting strangers and I get it. I get it's just an easy option for people, isn't it? Mm. But it just seems like there's a lot that could go wrong. Mm, mm, mm. But if it works for someone, then by all means do what they want to do. But yeah, I think I agree with you as far as it just not really being yeah the best thing to do. I mean, I have another friend who um like she didn't want she didn't want any commitment. She didn't want any um like long-term relationship or anything she just wanted like a one-night stand situation and it's quite easy um to set that up on using tinder so mm. she enjoyed using tinder mm. um but i guess it just depends on everyone's uh individual needs yeah and i think you need to have a realistic expectation mm. <laughs> that not everyone is gonna um, share the truth about their needs straight yeah. up for real so uh, another question um, I've got, what do you think about social media? How um, like nowadays everyone has social media pretty much. Yeah, I, um, I, I mean, we spoke a little bit about medicine, about how it um, impacts on your life and, and how it's a lifestyle. We get so many lectures about our use on social media because once you publish something on social media, even if you delete it, it's, it's out there, right? Mm. Like, I mean, we've all seen... Um, like articles about posts that celebrities um, published and then took down, yeah. but they're still out there and there's articles written about them and whatnot. And, you know, it can, and, and again, from a medical point of view, if you publish something, um, people can then screenshot it as evidence if they want to sue you or whatever. Like it's yeah. all just evidence, you know, and mm. you want to tailor what you put out to the world. So I, I had Facebook in secondary school um, because obviously that was our, the thing to do um i then deactivated that account because it was just too much man and and i wanted to keep it all very my private life private you know mm. i'm quite a private person um and <laughs> not everyone in my life understands that mm. um so i was just like let me just deactivate the account and then i'll go to uni and everything's on facebook so you kind of need a facebook account to stay up to date with everything mm. especially with things like kickboxing like there'd be last minute cancellations and i wouldn't check facebook in time so i'd turn up to the training session and there'd be no one there i'm like well, what's going on mm. oh yeah facebook exists i need to check that account mm. um so i guess social media has its uses um, you do need to be careful about what you publish. Um, do you think um, even if you're not posting, you're just like kind of observing it, like you're just you're just viewing it daily? Do you think it has like a negative um, repercussions um, on people's like mental health, or do you think it's mm. just a good thing overall? Or what do you think of it? Well, on Instagram, for example, there's quite a lot. Um, there's quite a lot posted on it about people's bodies and i mean it depends what kind of each of these social media accounts like tiktok instagram youtube even like with youtube shorts they all have um <laughs> almost different areas and you kind of end up in different area of that social media depending on what you've liked right because yeah. your cookies get accumulated patterns get recognized yeah. and the algorithm just feeds you yeah things. Mm. so i got to a point um 
like I've I, <laughs> for a while um and probably still to this day I'm qu- I've been quite um like fitness orientated um and like food orientated in that and it, and it has led to problems in my life before and I found during a certain time that my Instagram account just kind of fed into this algorithm and I was just constantly bombarded with people's like celebrities bodies and mm. and this perfection and all this and it and it really was leading to a negative mindset mm. um which you don't really realize unless you do a bit of reflection on it mm. um thankfully now i think there's been more of a push um i know recently on instagram again it might just be the algorithm like feeding me all of this but on instagram there's a lot of like comparison pictures about how people can pose just to change their body shape yeah. and like all the different um like filters and uh so you edits. think it's more of an honest look on things now nowadays i'd like to th- i think there's more of a recognition of how much things like airbrushing and editing can change someone's body and you shouldn't believe everything that you see online mm. regardless like even if you are aware of that if it's an insecurity that you have or you feel um or almost there's like a weakness in you um and you have a tendency towards that i think you subconsciously absorb it anyway even if rationally you can say oh they've probably done this that or the other mm. you probably subconsciously compare yourself to those pictures and then you're like oh why do I, why do i not look like that or mm. how can i make myself look like that i think it, it can social media can be a good thing because it brings people together and, and all that sort of stuff and you know it's, it, it makes spreading news easier um but it can also be a, a, a d- like a black hole. Mm. You can really get sucked into it for sure. Um, pros and cons and everything really, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I mm. think with everything, it's important to ground yourself in the real world almost yeah. and keep looking at things with a, as much of a rational mind as you can. Mm. Try not to overindulge in it, and it like see yeah. it because it's like it can become. Like kind of warp your perception on reality, sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, um, we mentioned about the generations and and the generational differences, and um, I don't know. Like, I see kids like glued to iPads these days, and I'm just like, you're you're and and <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not a parent. I can't criticize or comment really, I, but I do know. I know. I know parents who do give iPads to children because children are a lot of <laughs> like they need a lot of attention you know um and as an adult doing your own thing um like i don't know doing your business and um working you can't always give all of your energy to your child so it is a bit easier to just hand them a ipad and just like let mm. them play this game or whatever but as this child grows and develops they like stay stuck with a screen in like in front of their face and they start using these social media accounts and that just becomes their world mm. yeah i think i think people need to be aware of <laughs> real life as well as yeah you know and turn off their phones sometimes and turn off their uh ipads sometimes and not just be constantly absorbed in that virtual world mm. for, sure. yeah, for real um okay so what do you think about modern femininity or masculinity what do you think um because like I, it seems to me when um when I was younger mm. it was like kind of more clear like femininity was easy to 
notice and masculinity was easy to notice. Mm. Nowadays, it seems like we're kind of, things are kind of more blending mm. into like, it's, it's harder to clarify or it's harder to, like there's super feminine guys and there's super masculine uh, females. Mm. Um, what do you think of that change in society? Um, I think that's a quite a complex issue because I, I guess, um, I had difficulty with it growing up. Um, I not, it's not like I actively declined my femininity, right? Um, but for me, being a woman meant being weak. And I was, I never wanted to become or be weak, you know? Um, and so in school, people would say like, um, like I would, I would, I would get into fights and I'd get into fights with guys, you know? And I just, it, and I'm <laughs> the guys, thankfully, didn't always beat me up, you know? And I'm sure that, you know, my sex played a part in that. They were like, oh, I'm not going to be up a girl. But um, I had this reputation of being more masculine than the average girl. I didn't wear skirts. Every time I wore a skirt, it'd be like, whoa, she's wearing a skirt. Like, what is this? <laughs> like, something's happened. Mm. Um, like, I, I, I did kind of reject the idea for a while, I guess. I didn't want to be weak. Um, I just wanted to be an equal, I guess. I just wanted to live my life. Um, I didn't want to, it's not like I wanted to be a guy. Um, I just wanted to be able to live my life. Do you still see femininity as weakness? Um, no, no. I've, um, I've come to terms with the fact that there are strong women out there. And you don't, and, you know, you can be a strong woman. Um, I think there are traits that are then <clears throat> sort of misconstrued as being overly masculine or, or if you, if you like display these attributes, then you're then considered a bitch or just less desired by men or whatever. Um, I think. I think it's a it's a difficult one because obviously like as much as we want to just be ourselves and live in this world as we want to be um there is this sort of desire to also have a family and 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 find a partner and find your you know your like I said like build your family and um I think then when you when you think when you get a partner, they might have certain um, expectations of what you should be like, because obviously if you are in a heterosexual relationship um, and you are with a guy, ev every guy is different, obviously. But I feel like from my experiences, guys expect their women to be a certain way and I don't always tick those boxes. And I've had to adapt and change myself and my and what I'm comfortable with um to try and please this guy um who obviously means a lot to me but then it gets to a point where it's like how much of myself am I sacrificing you know and how much of myself am I remaining to stay with this guy if that makes sense you know yeah, like a balance is key, I think, and I know certain things aren't as uh, important, like maybe 
depending on who you are. Certain things to me aren't as important, like shaving your legs and, and armpits and taking care of body hair. Some men um, are very much against body hair. Um, if you're um, with a guy who's against body hair and you don't necessarily care about it, then it's a small sacrifice to make to shave your legs, you know, to stay with this guy, you know. Um, but it does, it's still, it's still a choice you have to make to then shave your legs to keep with this guy. Whereas, like, normally you'd just be like, why would I need to shave my legs if you don't shave your legs? Like, we could get into this whole debate about why I don't need to shave my legs. Mm. Um, but it's just like, you choose your battles, isn't it? Mm. So, do you think that um, the, the change um, in society where it's, like, becoming less, like, um, set in stone as far as what a woman is and what a man is, do you think that's a good thing overall for society? I think it's important to ask these questions, you know, and and as we say, like, not all men are the same, not all women are the same. I think we need to be braver in meeting people with different ideas and trialing out different relationships and seeing what works for us and then eventually um, finding a middle ground that works for us with a partner who also works for us, you know. Um I don't think it's necessarily detrimental to society. I don't see why... I don't I don't really see how or why it would be detrimental to society. Um, it might be a good thing for society. It's not that it's detrimental. It's yeah. Just, I, I'm just asking your opinion on it. What do you think? And I can't... Um, I don't see how it Im- would impact on society almost. Okay. So it's not positive or negative. It's just is what it is sort of thing. I think, in all honesty, right... Now that I think more about it, I think it's a good thing for society because at the end of the day, you then have more workers, right? Because then women and men can both work and sub- and contribute to the economy and, like, what country doesn't want more workers, essentially? And a country's G- a GDP is also affected by the number of people in education and the level of that education as well. And again, by allowing women and men to... And promoting higher education levels in both women and men... Mm. Um, you increase the country's GDP, so you will then end up. So uh, yeah, again, it's 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 beneficial to society. I think in in my generation, um, like or even as long as I've been alive, women have always been working. So it's mm-hmm. not a. It's, I don't think it's an issue of whether women have to not work or whether they have to work. I'm saying more in terms of um, the the. Um, Stuff like um, when I, like when I was younger, it it would be like a girl would be just doing what girls do, and a guy would be just doing what guys do. Nowadays, what? it's not really that. What would guys do? What would girls do? So um, I don't know. In school, for example, um, girls would be playing games like um, I don't know, like family stuff or whatever, or, or pretending to be like mums and playing like you know that sort of stuff. Mm. And then guys would be um, just punching each other or something. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like but now it seems to be a thing where maybe guys will be playing the family thing or whatever mm. or just play or playing with the girls mm. and like girls will maybe be just fighting with the guys or something do you know what i mean like yeah. it's, it's less there's less um i don't know it's less kind of polarized or whatever mm, it's mm. more kind of just you never know in it people are just going to be doing what they're doing sort of thing mm, mm, mm. and um 
so yeah that and and for example um another example would be if you saw like girls walking around um back in the day they would have been wearing like girls uh like stuff that's typically girls clothes they would be looking like a girl from you can see them a mile away and they look mm-hmm. like a girl nowadays you, you see it's not uncommon to see a girl wearing a hoodie tracksuit like just looking like just looking like one of the boys isn't it and um also that's it's me. not it's also <laughs> not not uncommon to see a guy wearing super tight jeans um crop top thing or mm. whatever mm. it's just it's just is like guys are just like, everyone's just doing what they're doing isn't it yeah so do you um so do you have, have you noticed that difference in your generation or not really you can see it again talking about social media there has been more uh i guess promotion of non-genderized clothes right mm. yeah that sort of stuff yeah with like um celebrities wearing and doing fashion shoots with mm. um for example Jada smith is known for his fashion shoot with some sort of I don't know, fashion people i think it was louis vuitton or something yeah and he was wearing a skirt in it yeah yeah i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing i quite frankly i personally agree with that i don't understand why again from my perspective mm. i mean sorry from my experience i always wore trousers i love wearing um trackies and hoodies like mm. um and i just don't see the issue with it like my so my boyfriend is not <laughs> he, he doesn't like it and i'm just like why you literally wear the same clothes i don't understand why you why there's an issue here mm. like i'm at home i'm not going to be wearing some dress like <laughs> i'm not doing it yeah. i want to be comfortable so do you feel like where a, a woman wearing tracksuit bottoms and hoodie is exactly the same thing as a guy wearing a skirt and a bra well, do you know what? Um, I mean, firstly, I, can I just say I don't see why anyone would wear a bra. Bras are uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and also, I guess I don't quite see why a man would wear a bra because there's nothing to put in it. But it just uh, feels like it. He just wants to. Do you know what? I have no qualms against that. Honestly, I and also I have no qualms against a man wearing a dress or a skirt. I think like I've seen some of these um, outfits that. Like uh, it was the Met Gala, uh, no, the Met Ball. There was a guy, I think, a year ago, and he wore. To be fair, I think it was like a half suit, half dress. Um, I, I, I personally thought it looked sick. Like, and I've seen guys wear dresses, and I think it looks sick. Like, it doesn't take. A, yeah, I don't. I don't see. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't see why clothes have to be genderized. Yeah. And if we think about it, right, Scots have been wearing kilts for time. Like, that's their traditional clothing. That's basically a skirt. You know, like, there's, I, don't, I don't think they are seen as any less masculine. Mm. Um, they have been wearing kilts. Yeah. For a long time. And um, it's just like their, their culture, isn't it? Yeah. And then there's all different types of cultures that will wear like robes or something where it's like it's almost not far off from a dress it's just like baggy clothes (laughs) Mm. you know and it's just like uh, yeah i i don't have any qualms against that i wouldn't be um yeah i I wouldn't be necessarily put off if a if a guy was wearing a dress or a skirt or anything would you feel any type of way if your boyfriend wore a like a dress 
uh, or like a skirt and um, high heels and a crop top showing his belly. And he was like, yeah, let's go out. Would you just be perfectly fine? It's not even noteworthy. Let's just crack on. Hmm. I think it really depends on the outfit. <laughs> and on the heels. What, like. if it was, what if it was hot pink, had sequins on it? and um i'm there for it i'm there for it yeah yeah it would help if he had a six-pack as well let's not let's not kid ourselves <laughs> does he have to have a six-pack does i mean like you know if you're going to be showing your belly you know you, you want to see something special we do a, a crop top does not look nice with a pop belly let's be honest like, i don't know people wear what they want to wear in it it's true if someone's comfortable in it um then I don't know. Yeah. So you'd feel no, you, you wouldn't feel embarrassed or anything. You'd just be perfectly fine. No, I don't, I wouldn't feel embarrassed. Fair enough. Similarly though. So I used to have really long hair, right? Which was quite, mm. um, which was, I guess what people would call feminine, right? Um, I did also dye blonde, so hyper feminine. <laughs> <laughs> and then I cut my hair um, and I cut my hair quite short. Um, and I think I went out one day with trackies and a, um, and a jumper and trainers and my boyfriend <laughs> was not impressed because I kind of look, I wasn't wearing any makeup. I was just like, I was attending an appointment, man. I just went out in what I felt comfortable in and he just was not impressed. Mm. And I was like, bro, I'm not going out with you. So like this, why does it affect you? And it, and it was just a bit, and it, and it annoyed me that I had to even, that if I was to go out with him dressed like this, he would, I don't know, think. Go embarrassed. Yeah. Or just, yeah, I feel, I understand it, like, from, from a few books that I've read, from a few YouTube videos that I've seen, um, I understand that things work a little differently with the male psyche versus the female psyche. Like, males are very... Um, visual. Yeah, visual is the word. Um so I get it, hence why I make the compromise of shaving my legs, <laughs> you know, and not wearing hoodies and whatnot if I'm going out with my boyfriend. Um, but I I detest the fact and the notion of being treated like a trophy wife. Um, and sometimes it does feel like that, in which case I will go out in my trackies and my hoodies just to spite. <laughs> Cause, so yeah. is, it, is it because you feel like um, a trophy wife is seen as like an object and yeah. you don't see yourself and as an like object. And it's like this title. Like if I, if I hopefully become a doctor, that's another title. And it's just like, and it's taking away from me as a human being. Like, What's wrong with like the title of being a, of a doctor? It's sick. I'm looking forward to being called Dr. Capelli. But um, I think sometimes... I don't know, sometimes it feels like that's all I am. And I don't want to sort of restrict myself to just my profession or restrict myself to just my gender. Or but isn't, isn't an identity a collection of, yeah. of things? Yeah. Yeah, but if you, if you don't, if like none of those things are, a, you're able to be categorized by, then 
what identity do you have? Like they want to know who you are. So they like you are a doctor. Yeah. You are a female. Yeah. You are Turkish. I'm a kickboxer. I'm you Turkish. Are, yeah. I play the piano. But all I of do these all things these are titles. What, what's wrong with the notion That's of fine. titles? It's a whole collection though, isn't it? It's not just one. And it's like, I've been in situations where it's just like, um, I'm there to look pretty whilst a man talks for me. And it's annoying. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's not always annoying. Like I can't always be bothered to talk. <laughs> I don't always want to be in a social situation. Um, it's sometimes a relief, but it's just when that's kind of your only option, that's when it sucks. When you feel like you don't have the option, mm. I think that's when it sucks. So I'm trying to think of it like if mm. it was like the other, if it was like me, yeah, for mm. example, if I was with my girlfriend mm. and she was going to some sort of, I don't know, some interior design function where she's around loads of other interior designers or something. Yeah. And sh I was just literally there as whatever, just like to represent yeah. her or something. Yeah. That's plus I, one. Yeah. I don't think I would be offended if, I w if I, if my opinions weren't necessary in whatever yeah. conversation she was having, yeah. If I was just there, literally to take her there and take her back and mm -hmm. make sure that, mm. like, she's looked after or whatever, mm. I don't feel like I would be offended by that. Mm. It, like, it's not because I'm smart that I need to um, tell everyone in the room that I'm smart in mm. every room. It's like it doesn't matter. But to that's me. a work convention, right? It's different if it's like, um, and that's specific. That would be specific to your girlfriend. Like it's different if it's an event that with your friends mm. um, and she was like, or you went and saw, I don't know, maybe, maybe I am being oversensitive, but I don't know. How would you feel if you went to an event with, with her friends mm. and you were just there to be her boyfriend in that you were, like no one, no one really cared to speak to you because you were just there. You know, you were just almost her bodyguard, and that's all you were. Yeah, I think that's not a uncommon situation. Like that's like that's kind of what it is when your if your girlfriend wants to go somewhere, mm. like maybe it's her friend's birthday or something, mm -hmm. and she's asked you to come mm. just to be there, sort of thing. Like mm. ju maybe just because you have a car and you can take her there and back or whatever. Mm. It's like, that's not, I don't think that's an uncommon situation for guys. Like mm. guys are in them type of situations all the time. Mm, and mm, mm, mm. it's fine. More time, you just leave her to it. You'll go to like the bar or something mm. and just chill and mm. like, just wait till the night's over sort of thing. And it's not, I feel like sometimes you've got to take one for the team, innit? You've got to kind of just like, you're just there as support. Mm, mm, mm. So I don't, yeah, I don't think it would be a big deal to me. Um, I might get bored after a while. It mm. might be like, okay, I'm bored. Mm. Um, come and go. But I don't think my issue would be that um, I wanted to be more involved in the situation. I think it would be just um, that the event itself was a bit boring. And <laughs> do you know what I mean? And mm -mm. So I don't know, but I get it. Um, it's just, uh, I don't know. I feel like um, maybe if people are not showing you respect or something, if nobody's saying hello to you or anything, mm. maybe you could feel some sort of way. Or people just look at you up and down and just like, oh, you look mm. pretty. That's all you are, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I hear you. Right, so ultimately, um, 
would you say that um the it's like the gender role sort of thing is kind of like it's like a thing of the past and it's good that it's like fading out now i like a balance i think i like a balance um yeah, I think family matters. Maybe again, um, it's it's nice to have some sort of roles and structures, um, but then it's it's just it's, it's just up to the couple to communicate about what they expect from each other. Yeah, um, and what you each of them want help with. And, mm. and there's all different types of couples, and exactly. they can do what works for them, isn't it? Exactly. and it um, and. It's not one rule for all in it. So mm. if there is someone who wants to be like traditionally feminine and traditionally masculine, then so be it. Like mm. they're just as like um, entitled to live that life as the people who want to be more modern mm. and don't want to f- uh, fill them roles sort of thing. Mm. So both people are valid and are able to live their life however they want. Mm. Okay, so I've got another one. Um, you went to study in Cardiff. Mm. How was it leaving your friends and family in London and going out and like kind of conquering the the um, studies that you had to do? You, it's mm. like you, it's almost like you just went on this mad adventure, like by mm. yourself sort of thing. Yeah. And I think that takes a lot of bravery. So and how was that experience? University is about though almost. Um, but most people are somewhat near to their house, like they can go back. A lot of my friends stayed in London. Mm. A lot of them did. Um, I enjoyed going out. Um, I'm <laughs> it was quite funny when it came to um, when it came to applying to universities. Mum literally got a map, drew a line, and was like, "You can't go past this line." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and you just, went past it. Way I past fully it. ignore that line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I applied to like Queens and Belfast. Mm. We had to get an aeroplane to my interview. <laughs> like it was literally a whole different island. Like. Mm. Um, and I applied, like, I applied to Leeds, Sheffield, um, and then I applied to Cardiff. Cardiff was actually on the line. <laughs> so yeah. I think mum was quite happy about that one. Um, so Wasn't it scary? Um, like, because you, you don't know anyone over there. You kind of have to just start I fresh. I wanted to get out. Yeah, mm. I wanted... For me, at that time, I needed some space mm. and some headspace. And I probably could have done with a better transition because at that time I was going through some things and um like some my own health issues and the sort of healthcare could have been transitioned better Mm. um but I think the space and the independence that you're given allows for you to grow up a bit more Mm. um, and take responsibility for yourself Mm. um without all these without the influence of um, many different factors obviously like you're away from home it was, it's funny actually i didn't get homesick for a while i really didn't um as in like years mm. <laughs> it was only really um i guess during covid when i was it was really really hard to come back to england to get into london from wales mm. um that i really started um missing my home and my home life mm. um i always miss my siblings um obviously boys for sure um yeah i think i think my relationship with my siblings is special and unique mm. 
Mm. Um, and they've always been a part of me. But it was also nice, actually, because um, I've always felt responsible for my young, younger siblings. It was also <laughs> it was also nice to kind of like let go of that responsibility for a while yeah. as well. Um, I think it was like very brave to go all the way out and basically just handle all of the challenges by yourself sort of thing. Like if even if something happened, it would have taken the family like four hours or so to get to yeah. you. And it's, so it's, I think that was a very brave move. And I think you've done it. You handled it well. Like you've done Eventually. it like a champ. Yeah. Eventually. Mm. <laughs> it had its trials and tribulations for sure. But um, we're getting there. Mm. Talk to me in a few months. Oh, I've got there. <laughs> yeah. So before you left to go and live in Cardiff, was you scared at all? Or was you like, apprehensive about it? Or did you feel any type of, I don't know, nerves in going into that huge change? A little bit. Um, I was mostly just looking forward to moving out. Yeah. I, I got an offer for medicine from Queens Belfast. Um, and I decided that was a bit too far because <laughs> yeah, there was a whole airplane that you had to take. It just made it seem a lot longer. Um, but Cardiff is like just a few hours by train. It's really cheap, like um, coach tickets. Um, it yeah, it didn't seem that far to be honest. It was pre- it's pretty parallel on the map. Um, Would you recommend it for say somebody else who's thinking about like starting a uni- going to uni? Mm. And they're thinking about going to one like that's miles away, like somewhere that mm. takes hours and hours to get to mm. from where they where they've grown up. Mm. Would you say it's worth it and they should do it? Someone I um, uh, was speaking to says that there's a nice sweet spot. Like you want to be close enough to home that you can go back, but far away enough so your parents can't give you a surprise visit. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. That's what you want. <laughs> Sounds so, good. Yeah, yeah Cardiff so, for me was that. Mm. Is there anything else you want to cover? Any other topics um, that you've been thinking about recently? Mm. In terms of, um, I don't know, the the current state, the current uh, condition of the world or the country? or uh, Nah, not at the moment. I'm going on an, uh, um, an elective to... So in, in your medical course, you get to go on a an elective period study medicine abroad oh yeah um, or rather practice medicine abroad um either or to be honest so i'm going to turkey um east turkey to the villages um yeah it should be interesting um i'll be working in a gp there so it'll be interesting to see how they sort of get their funds in and manage their patients Mm. um and also to see how their medicine differs um I imagine it won't be too different in terms of how their medicine differs. Like a lot of countries actually take um, inspiration from our um, national guidelines because uh, obviously because we are a charity-based healthcare system, mm. um, we've considered the cost effectiveness as well as the um, the effectiveness of the drug itself. Mm. Um, so quite often we our guidelines align with other countries so in terms of the practice in medicine um, itself, I don't imagine it'll be that difficult, um, that different. But it'll be interesting to see how they get their funding sort of side and what I can carry forward um, to my practices in the future. Will it be hot when you're out there? Is it? No, I was no. hoping for some like lots of sun, <laughs> but I don't think it's gonna be. Um, it's not the summer months, <laughs> no. you know. Mm. Yeah. So overall, are you looking forward to it? It should be interesting. Yeah. yeah. It will be a good learning experience. Mm. 
Okay. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it would be good, and it will be like one more notch on the belt just to say you've done this. Uh, exactly. More experience. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So, um, would you ever live or work in another country other than like the UK? Um, yeah, I would consider it. Um, th- I mean, a few years back, there were there was a lot going on about the junior contracts and how the government decided to find another way to screw us all over. So, <laughs> so during that time, as in like they were taking away our extra pay for antisocial hours. Oh. They were, um, I think to be fair, they did put a limit on the number of hours we would work. But in practice, those that is just not pl- plausible. So yeah. we ended up working for free or rather not we. The doctors then ended up working for free. Anyhow, all this stuff was going on a few years back, so I did consider moving to like New Zealand or um, or Canada. Mm. Um, I'll see what Turkey's like. I have been considering um, opening up potentially, obviously, way in the future, potentially opening up a clinic in Turkey. Obviously, that's where my family's from. Mm. Um, and but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the sort of the implications of that and the. Uh, yeah, and how I would go about that. Mm. I'm sure all of your um, qualifications and certificates will be transferable and that you'd be able to yeah, yeah. be recognised out in all the other countries. Yeah, so some countries you need to do an extra exam. Okay. Um, that would be the US and I want to say Australia. I haven't, I don't know about New Zealand, but in Turkey it's applicable, so it's mm. fine, thankfully. Okay. <laughs> I sure. can't deal with more exams, <laughs> man. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, I'm sure you'd be able to do it wherever it is, isn't it? Like one year's um, just a drop in the ocean can compare to like the rest of your life in it. Exactly. So exactly. Let's wrap it up there then. Okay. And um, thanks for coming. Um, it was a. Thank uh, you for having me. It's been an honor. Yeah, no, it was good. I'm glad. Uh, I think it's um, it's interesting for people to to hear like the perspective of someone who's literally just like stepping into becoming a doctor. You've been you've done like years and years of studying, and you're finally at the end of it where you're going to actually be working as a doctor now. So, um, Finally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should be proud of yourself. And I'm sure um, everyone, um, all your friends and family or whatever, are proud of you. I'm proud of you. So, um, thank you. Yeah, is, um, before you, is there any advice you want to give other people who are maybe looking at being a doctor or, um, or just anyone in general, anything you want to say before we call it a day? Um, I would say... Um, I think people think that medicine can be quite a niche mm. field and it is like you, there's a lot of people on my course who are from a certain type of background, who have doctors in their family, who, um, who went to private school and are wealthy and whatnot. I just want to say that even though they do exist and there will be loads of them, um, don't let that stop you applying like no matter what your background is do apply do try for it do do it um it is fun as much as it is hard Mm. um it is a whole lifestyle they do say that medicine is not a career it's a lifestyle um but it's it's worth it Mm. and um it's just growing yourself to a good life to be honest Mm. um hard life (laughs) but a good life anything worth doing is hard isn't it exactly Mm. exactly um 
And then for anyone who's currently going through the course, just keep at it, basically. Yeah. yeah believe in yourself. Because there were quite a few times when I almost left um, just because it just didn't seem worth it. And I was... How do you deal with those moments? Like, how do you get through? Speak to your loved times? ones. They'll remind you. Um, and also, I don't know, placement's a bit of a dodgy one because placement is a bit hit and miss. But you will find, if you enjoy placement, if there's anything you enjoy about placement, then it's probably worth staying in medicine. Like, if you enjoy the science, then stay in medicine. How if do the placements, um, how does how does that work? Do you have to find it yourself? No, thankfully we don't have to find it ourselves. Um, um, it's just assigned to us from the university. It's a bit hit and miss because <laughs> sometimes you turn up to a ward and the doctors aren't expecting you and they don't want, they don't know what to do with you or if there's just too many patients, um, sorry, too many students on the ward already and... And then it kind of seems like a waste of a day. Like as I said, nurses are a lot more, or nursing students are a lot more involved. Medical students, for whatever reason, are kind of just like put in the corner <laughs> and then um, forgotten about, or just traipse around and shadow people. Um, which I guess is useful because you kind of absorb, but it's not the most funnest thing in the world. Let's be honest. Mm. Um, but those times where you get to speak to your patients, where you get to take some blood and you get to do this, that and the other, that will be your future career. And that's that will remind you of why you chose to do medicine and why you want to be a doctor. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just keep at it. I think a lot of the biggest barrier is probably self-doubt. Mm. There's a lot of self-doubt because you're obviously surrounded by a lot of smart people. And from being, I don't know, maybe first in your school or whatever, or from being one of the smartest, you go from just being average, mm. you know, and that's a bit of a shock to the system. Um, but it's just because you're around a lot of smart people, you know, it's a privilege to be there. Um, and although that self-doubt will exist, just try your best to ignore it. And like I said, speak to your loved ones because mm. they'll big you up any day, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Um. Is there anything you want to plug? Like anything you want people to check out? It doesn't necessarily have to be um, any of... Like maybe you've got social mm. media or something you want people to follow or maybe you've got some... I don't know. It doesn't necessarily have to be anything like that, but it could be even, I don't know, something that... Like a, a book that has really helped you through your studies or something or mm. some sort of inspirational person or something. Like, is there anything you want people to check out? I would say check out um, the Drug Science website there's a lot of information up there it's unbiased it's like not regulated by people it's just data you know and it's just science which is what it should be so check that out drug science website it's a charity it's great for information um is that how they'll find it on google just drug, drug science, science yeah. website or uh, i think it's like drugscience.org okay um yeah, you can do drug science, Professor Nutt. Okay. N U double T. Um, okay. And I'm sure it will come up. Um, if it hasn't, <laughs> if it doesn't come up, there's something wrong there. Some sort of, uh, I don't know. Some Someone's sort of, been censored. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> like, dodgy. Um, and then the other thing is um, a good read is This Is Going to Hurt by ooh, Adam Kay, I believe his name is. Okay. It's just a fun book about an F1. So it's just okay, cool. 
So that's like for medical students or people who want to know anyone, what it's like. um, who wants, yeah, to know what it's like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I spoke to a few F1 uh, of my friends who are doctors already, um, mm. recently graduated, and they're like, I'm not reading it because I'm living it. Mm. <laughs> like, mm. I don't need that in my spare time. Mm. So maybe not to anyone who's graduated already yeah. um, and who's practicing medicine already, but for anyone who is thinking about going into it or who is interested in the yeah, in the career or the lifestyle yeah read that book cool all right thanks sn it's been um a good chat like um i'm sure um when you got time obviously you're super busy but when you when you have time we'll, i'll be happy for you to come back and we'll talk more about maybe different topics and see how you're going uh, how you're getting on with your whole doctor journey mm. and um yeah thank you for coming um it's thank been you for great me. all right cool P, 5p, 10p, 20p, 50p, changed on annoy me. One pound, two pound, five pound, ten pound, twenty pound, fifty pound. These are my employees, yeah. I just make Elizabeth work. I just make Elizabeth work, yeah. I just make Elizabeth work. I just make Elizabeth work, work, work. Where my money at? Let me dial up management. Who's going in and who the fuck's panicking? Who's maybe P and who the fuck lost P? If I fire man, that could be costly. You know, I always make the pattern run properly. I got white money and it talks cockney. Black money and it talks patwa. Why the fuck would I want my money stacked up? I see money, I can't let it be statue. Never. I'm an entrepreneur in a tracksuit. When your money works hard, you don't have to. She got dank body and it's all natural. But I'm still only trying to get the peas, bitch. You got dead pee, hit it with the D fridge. It's a game full of snakes and leeches. Fuck school, they ain't never gonna teach this. Fuck broke, I'd rather turn evil. When I'm hungry, you be looking like treacle. I tunnel vision on my prey like eagle. I got a pit in the whip looking regal. Just in case I ever got a duck a man down dealing with the penny same way i do pounds dealing with the pounds same way i do racks aiming for a billion i ain't going back when i hit the club it's return of the mac i'm looking for a hustler certy collab track queen title where you worthy of that there's a lot of hot chicks but i'm never that gas i don't know love only know about cash i know about economy i know about tax i want to dominate not race with the rats look i can't hear shit if it ain't about 1p 2p 5p 10p 20p 50p changed on annoy me one pound two pound five pound ten pound pound 20 pound 50 pound these are my employees yeah i just make elizabeth work i just make elizabeth work yeah i just make elizabeth work i just make elizabeth work work work